someone gives you a pulpit doesn't make you a pastor. A pastor is somebody who shepherds people and maybe they get invited into a pulpit at some point. See, but what happens is, is it's about us allowing the Spirit to make us faithful to glorify Jesus right where we are now. Here's the question. Is that you right now or what do you need to adjust? Because listen, if the children of God are led by the Spirit, I believe that God's Spirit is leading all of us right now. You likely have some goals and dreams that you want to fulfill in your life. God does give you glimpses to your future by calling you to certain areas of ministry, to marriage and children, or some other eventual life that you can look forward to. However, that might not be where he wants you right here and now. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to be content in your current circumstances and do all you can for the kingdom right now. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he begins his message, Adopted. So when we say the word family, we realize that that brings different responses from each one of us. I mean, we've all been nurtured in families. God's plan was always that people would be socialized and grow and nourished in the midst of a family. And I realized that because none of us had perfect parents, there's really no perfect family situation. There's Some of us had uh, stronger families than others. Some of us had a less absolutely overt brokenness than others. But in the end of the day, the family that you were raised in has a huge impact on your life. I know for me, you know, I'm all Italian from New Jersey. And so, you know, family is a huge thing. I mean, that those ideas of a family loyalty, I remember growing up and hearing things like, well, listen, your friends are going to come and go, but your family is always going to be there for you. And I remember as a, as a young person hearing that and being like, you know, that, that ain't true. And I look back now as an older person and lots of friends came and went. But my family is still my family. Now, for me, you know, if you've been here at Crossroads at all, when I talk about my family, I always think about my grandma and my grandpa. You know, and so I wanted to introduce you to Anita and Anthony, finally, after all these. So my grandfather, Anthony, he's 95. My grandma, Anita, she's 92. It's still alive today. I was blessed to have a separate set of parents who never had to discipline me for anything. You know, and so I, one of my first, my earliest memories growing up as a child was we were at my grandma's house and my mom had to go somewhere. So she dropped me and my twin sister, Jody, and then I have an older sister by two years. And so, uh, the three of us were at my grandma's house and we were all sitting around my grandma's table. And I remember my mom came in and my mom, God bless her, was a very strong lady, very strong lady. And I remember my mom walked in the door and we were just having a blast around my grandma's table. My mom got so mad. Mom, what are you doing? And she, get you guys, get, she got him in the car. She said, I'm not talking to you right now. And I'm like, I remember being like, what happened? Now, as I thought about it, years later, I talked to my grandma, my earliest memory. My grandma, God bless her, 
in her way, she wanted us to have a good time. And so this was at the time we were playing cards and there was little like scotch glasses with soda in it. And this was at the time when they had like the fake candy cigarettes. They don't do that anymore. And so my grandma, God bless her, we were drinking, smoking, playing cards. And my, and my mom got, you know, got super mad at her. You know, I just the other day I was, I was thinking about this as I was preparing this mess. I'm like, grandma, do you remember when she's like, which one, which one did I do? And I'm like, what, when you were teaching us how to play cards and drink and smoke and she started laughing, she's like, your mom didn't talk to me for like two weeks, you know, but like, that's my grandma. I mean, she's, you know, like, she's like in retrospect, it probably wasn't the smartest thing. But you guys were having fun. And she's like, and none of you really drank or smoked anyway. So we did okay. You know what I mean? And so, and that was my grandma. And then, of course, my grandfather, you know, my grandfather, he was, when I got to know him, my grandfather was like the mellowest guy ever. But I guess he wasn't always that way, you know? And so I remember when I, when I was trying to learn how to drive, you know, my dad was going to teach me how to drive. And my dad was of the belief that if you want to teach someone how to drive, you get them a, a stick shift. A five speed. Because if you don't learn how to drive, you say, a lot of people are like, yeah, and they'll be like, what's a five speed? You know? And so it's like where your transmission doesn't auto shift. It's like you have to do it yourself. And so my dad's like, if you don't learn it now, so me being me, I got myself an, an orange 1974 Carmen Ghia. Cool car, right? As it was a stick shift. And so sure enough, you know, my dad was going to teach me how to drive stick, but my dad had no patience for that. You know, like every time I stalled out, my dad would yell at me. And I'm like, don't yell at me. This is hard enough without you yelling at me. So finally, he's like, I can't do it. So my grandfather took the gig, you know. And my grandfather was great. He was like super mellow. He's like, oh, listen, oh, yeah, stall. You can stall a hundred times. Don't worry. Just as long as we don't stall on the highway, we'll make it, you know. And so my, my grandfather was that kind of guy in my life where he was like a counterbalance to my dad. You know, and my grandfather, my grandmother had a huge impact on my life. Many of you know, if when you, when you tell me that you're going to be a grandparent, I always say, you realize what a gift you are to your grandkids. Because my grandparents are those people to me, you know, where you have an opportunity to speak from a different place. The number of times that I would be in trouble and I'd go to my grandparents' house and my grandma would feed me, you know, and I, I'll never forget my mommy's call. Is Danny there? Who? My grandma. Who? No, he's not here. Did you do something wrong? Because it's my mom's mom. You know, did you do something wrong? Well, I know he's there. You only talk to me when like that when he's there. He's listening, isn't he? I can hear my mom talking through the phone. You know? But listen, but that was the family that I was raised in. And I'm so grateful for that family. In a lot of ways, the idea that your family is your family no matter what. Like... I realized that that's like a gift that I was given. But I also realized that lots of people aren't like that. I was surprised when I learned that people would leave their families. Because I just never knew. It just wasn't happening. It's like, well, you're in their family. Like, you're in it. Good, bad, indifferent. But I realized that that's like a, something that I was socialized into. And I realized that for each one of us, we are born into a family. And that family, for better or for worse, has all sorts of things that they value. And what's really powerful is that whatever our family of origin is, part of the work that God does in each one of us is he invites us to still be part of our family of origin, but also to join a new family, a family that becomes a counterbalance to the families that we were raised in, a place where you can find peace for the great things about your family of origin and redemption for the parts of your family of origin that were totally busted. 
And that family is called the church. And one of the secret sauces, the ingredients of that secret sauce of life is literally the fact that God puts us into a new family while still allowing us to retain our family of origins. He invites us in to be part of something bigger than just our family of origin. And so in order to get at that today, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 8. I want you to open your Bibles. Romans 8 verses 12 to 17. Romans chapter 8 verses 12 to 17. So, and really what the apostle Paul is doing now, he's been instructing and teaching us about the difference between life in the spirit and life in the flesh. He's been explaining to us what has God done for us in Christ. And now we shift in this little section that we're going to see in this message and we shift to how should should we respond now? You know, we like to talk about here at Crossroads that we always say, we want to simply respond to Jesus. Jesus is always working. And then he invites us to respond to him. And today's message is really about how do we respond as a believer because of what Jesus has done. So look at what it says, Romans chapter eight, picking up in verse 12, it says, therefore, brethren, We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, really what this teaches us is it's really simple that The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. You will know when somebody is a child of God because they're led by the Spirit of God. And I get that almost word for word out of verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, the reason I'm saying children where Paul says sons is because this was written long before people were concerned about gender neutral language. Does that make sense? So when Paul says sons of God, he means the children of God. But back, we used to call it mankind. Now we call it humankind, right? So, so the, the culture has changed. And I promise you that if the spirit of God was inspiring the apostle Paul to write this text now, he would probably just say children of God. It meant the exact same thing. Although words, you realize that language is living, right? How many words, and I don't want you to say it, for those of you who've been around a little bit, words that you used to say that you could never say today. It's a lot of those. I mean, there's words I said last week I'm not supposed to say anymore. Right? So language adjusts. But the idea, the principle is the same. is that you will know when somebody is a part of God's family because they are simply led by the Spirit of God. Now, I want to unpack this for us. See, it begins with the word, what, in verse 12? Therefore. Now, you all know, when you see the word therefore, what's the question that you ask? What's it there for? Bible reading 101. Therefore is a concluding phrase. You're reading anything. When it says therefore, they're building the case on what was just said. Therefore, he says, brethren, we are debtors. Or some of you are saying we are obligated. Right? So he's saying because of what he had just said, the idea that the spirit of God, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within us, then we will likewise be resurrected with Christ spiritually now and physically in the hereafter. Then he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, we are obligated, we are debtors, not to live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
So really what he's saying is, because of who Jesus is, now you and I, we have an obligation to live not according to the flesh, not according to the rebellious desires that we have, but according to the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, that we are now obligated. Now what's amazing here is the idea of we are debtors or we are obligated. It means that you and I have a choice. That you get to choose what you allow to drive you. Now we've been seeing all the way through that if you live according to the flesh, then you set your mind on the things of the flesh. And when that happens, it becomes a totalizing principle where your whole life is oriented around living in rebellion against God. But he's saying, but because of who Jesus is, you and I, we have a debt to pay. And that debt for us is simply to choose to say, I want to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because notice what he says in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. Anybody want to die right now? Didn't think so. I don't want to either. Right? The last thing I want to do is take my breath, last breath right now. Don't get me wrong. I know that when I take my last breath, I know where I'm going to go. I know who I'm going to be with. And it is going to be straight up awesome. I have it on good authority. There, you can eat as many Twinkies as you want in heaven and not gain any weight. It's awesome. And that's just the Twinkie diet, you know? It's like, there's more, more to come. Now, I know some of you are like, I can't believe Fusco thinks there's Twinkies in heaven. But you pray for me. <laughs> All of our theology is in process. Nowhere in the Bible that says that there's not Twinkies in heaven. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, look, we follow the book, right? My Bible says that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I can't imagine there not being Twinkies in heaven. <laughs> If that verse is true, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I couldn't help myself. But here's the thing. It's like, if you live according to the flesh, you're living a life of death. But then notice what he says. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, how does a person put to death life in the flesh? By the what? By the Spirit. See, what the Lord wants to do in each one of us, he doesn't want you to get in the flesh to eradicate the flesh. He's saying, what I want is I want you by the Spirit, by choosing, because of the finished work of Jesus, say, I am not going to live in the flesh. The Spirit puts to death life in the flesh. It's the Spirit's work, not ours. So the idea of you and I having to somehow in the flesh try and get this thing done, no, it's a spiritual thing that God has already granted to you in Christ that we get to choose to live in right now. And it's very important for us to realize that. And really what he's saying, of course, is that for as many as are led by the Spirit, These are God's kids. That's how you'll know that somebody is led by the Spirit. Now, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. Jesus says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say to you that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So if you want to know when you're being led by the Spirit, you have to ask yourself, is this something that glorifies Jesus? It's a simple, simple litmus test to life in the Spirit. Simple. Does this glorify 
Jesus. And now, here's the thing you need to realize about life. The church, the people of God, not the buildings, but the called out people who have been redeemed by Jesus. The church almost never gets in trouble when it does things that glorify Jesus. But it always gets in trouble when it doesn't do things that glorify Jesus. Now, I said it almost always because there are times in the history of the church where there is persecution, where there is a power that is now Because somebody is a Christian, that alone becomes a a reason for them to get in trouble. You find it in the book of Acts. You find it through the history of the church. It's going on all over the globe, unfortunately, today. And we're not really seeing it yet in America, but it's sort of starting to feel that way a little bit. Right? Where now, all of a sudden, our beliefs are marginalized. Where we are looked down upon because of the simple reality that we believe that we are flawed and God is not and God sent a redeemer what's amazing is is our culture believes that we're flawed because every time we find out that someone else did something that is not perfect we're not really shocked anymore are we it's just another story of a person being a person but the difference is is we believe that God is not and God sent a redeemer but here's the thing when you are led by the spirit the things that you do glorify Jesus Because the Spirit's job is to take of what is Jesus's and bring it to us, to lead us into the truth. Not my truth or your truth or our cultural derived truth, but the truth, who is Jesus. Now, here's the thing about being led by the Spirit. And I think that this is really important. Because oftentimes when you hear you and I, the children of God are led by the Spirit, we say to ourselves, well, I better go do something. And here's what I want to tell you. A lot of being led by the Spirit is being super faithful and doing what is right in front of you right now. Like if you're married right now, are you being led by the Spirit to love your spouse, to respect your spouse? If you are single, are you being led by the Spirit into a holy sexuality where you embrace the reality that God has not brought me a spouse and God might not ever bring me a spouse, but this is an opportunity because I read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and I realized that when you're married, you got to check in with your spouse and if you can do what God's asking you to do when you're single, you don't got to ask nobody. I remember when, as a young pastor, I was a single pastor when I first went into the ministry before I had met Lynn. And I remember I would read 1 Corinthians 7, and the Apostle Paul saying some deep stuff. He's saying, listen, I wish that more people were single like me. It's like, what? And then he writes it down. He's like, he's like listen, because if you're married, you got to go check in with your spouse. And if you're not, guess what? You just do what Jesus said. But then he said, oh, all the single ladies are like, holla, amen, right? But here's what goes on. Here's what goes on. But then Paul says, when he says that, he's like, now listen, but if you're married, you'd be faithful to that marriage. Because someone's bound to say, oh man, that's why I need need to get rid of that spouse. Because there's such a drag on what God wants to do. Right? Because that's where the enemy fights against you. He tells you that your spouse is a problem. Right? And guess what? He tells your spouse that you're a problem. Right? And what the enemy does is when you're single, the, the enemy says, no, the problem is, is you're single. Which is a flat out lie. It wasn't a problem for Jesus, was it? No. Wasn't a problem for the Apostle Paul. See, but what goes on is we here be led by the Spirit. We say, okay, I got to go do something. I got to do this. No, no. Are you being faithful to do what God has called you? Do you have a job? Are you the best employee for the company that you work for? Are you a boss? Are you the epitome of a boss of integrity? As a 
community member here. Are you the kind of person who is adding value to our community? We're here right now. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have to be led by the Spirit to say, I want to glorify Jesus in my life. Here at Crossroads. Are you glorifying Jesus here? See, we can do this all day. This isn't changing anything. This is changing us, letting the Spirit lead us into a Spirit-filled life right here, right now. Now, sometimes when you're doing that, God will invite you to do some other things. It's like, I was just talking to someone recently, and they're like, I think God might be calling me to be a missionary. I'm like, cool. What are you doing right now? What do you mean? Well, like, if God's called you to be a missionary, like, you're not going to become a missionary. You're a missionary right now. And sometimes God sends us across the sea. And they were like, really? It's like they never heard that. Or it's like when I meet someone, it's like, I want to be a pastor. Well, where are you serving? I'm not serving. I'm going to preach like you. I'm like, well, if you don't serve, you're not a pastor. Just because someone gives you a pulpit doesn't make you a pastor. A pastor is somebody who shepherds people, and maybe they get invited into a pulpit at some point. See, but what happens is is it's about us allowing the Spirit to make us faithful to glorify Jesus right where we are now. Here's the question. Is that you right now? Or what do you need to adjust? Because listen, if the children of God are led by the Spirit, I believe that God's Spirit is leading all of us right now to love our spouses. God is leading all of us, those of us who are single, to be grateful for our singleness. To have a, a robust theology of the gift of singleness. That if you're widowed, you're single again for some reason. That God's like, God has a plan to that. Am I faithful to glorify you? Or do I spend my time being upset about what these things mean? On our jobs, are we salt and light? Or are we the kind of person who says, I would never hire another believer ever again? I remember that when I first became a pastor, someone said to me, he had a business. And I'm like, you know, I know a couple of people here at church who are looking for jobs that they could never hire Christians. Really? Why? It's like, because they use the fact that I'm a believer as a reason to be a lousy employee. They don't show up and they say, well, man, we're brothers in Christ. And I'm like, I'm, is that really the way it is? He's like, almost always. And I'm like, wow. Talk about not being led by the Spirit. Like using Jesus as an excuse to be a lousy employee. Listen, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And you don't have to change anything right now. You have to be faithful to what God has placed right in front of you, right where you are. And if you're faithful to say, God, will your spirit inspire me to live differently with the circumstances they are right now, then as we're faithful in those things, God might give us other things. So I don't want you to think, I'm going to get led by the Spirit. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to divorce my spouse. I'm going to abandon my kids in the name of Jesus. No. Or any derivation of that. God wants you to be led right into the life that He has for you. Jesus is real. Jesus loves to see His children thriving where they are. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to look ahead to the dreams God has given you, but to not neglect the tasks you have right now. If you're married, be the best spouse you can be. If you're single, bless others through that. Be the best employee, the best parent, and the best friend you can by the grace of Jesus. You have the capability to minister right where you are. 
If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at crossroadschurch.net. That's crossroadschurch.net. Hi, friends. Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk with you about what it means to be part of God's family. When you accept Jesus' sacrifice as your only hope for salvation, you're not made into a slave for Jesus, not at all. You're adopted into the family of God, given the title of son or daughter. As a child of God, you have access to your heavenly Father and are promised an eternal home and an inheritance in the kingdom. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called The Secret Sauce. Until then, may God bless.